ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you know what time it is. It is your weekly wrestling chat with friends. And this week, friends, we got a lot to talk about. So in this corner, weighing in at, I'm too polite to ask, cheats, two belts. Two belts, two bills. (laughs) Two belts, two bills. Double XL t-shirts right now is what we're doing. COVID-15, COVID-25, COVID-50. Right there with you, brother. That's what's up. Keep it going. Um, And then we're going to go ahead and introduce our friend for the week, who is more like family, because Doug's been with us before, and we definitely know he knows a thing or two about wrestling. Doug, what's your gimmick? We need to give you a gimmick if you're going to be visiting us here. Couldn't even tell you. Let's, Let's spend the hour and then figure it out. All right. Well, right now I'm going to go with Doug got his own blockbuster of (laughs) old WWF videos at his house. Okay. And finally, our uh, uh, revolving gimmick that we've never figured out and we probably never will. Ty's medium swole. I'm right. Today I'm the four, five, six kid. You're the four, (laughs) Four, five, five, six six kid. I love it. I love it. Every week, it's something new, and I appreciate it. Um, so first, we're going to start the way we always do. What are you guys popping for this week? What is getting you going? What's the most exciting thing you've seen in wrestling so far this week, or what are you looking forward to? Cheats, go ahead and kick us off. So we're going to probably talk about this later in detail, but I'm just going to make it so Players Tribune, Eddie Kingston, oh. pin to paper, amazing so i've always loved the players tribune i've always loved the first person kind of narrative from the athlete players tribune has started to to pay attention a little bit to what's happening in wrestling um brian danielson had a very very amazing players tribune article before his first match um in aew however dropped i think it dropped today the Eddie Kingston Players Tribune article today. I think it's titled something to the extent of I shouldn't even be here. I'm not supposed to be here. Um, you don't cuss, but it's I shouldn't fucking be here by Eddie Kingston. Heartfelt. Really ran it through the game. And I had no clue. I actually was naive a bit to think that Eddie was this kind of indie worker. And he is like long-term indie worker, like 20 plus year indie worker was a good reputation. I had no clue the pitfalls, the challenges, the tribulations that Eddie was going through. He did an amazing job articulating how he got to where he is. And it's um, an amazing, amazing story. And it's something that is very recent. So it's not like, you know, like Eddie was struggling literally up until the time he walked out the ropes at AEW to challenge Cody for that first match. And I don't think we we don't I don't think we put that in perspective enough. Like you think like oh you're on AEW TV, you're like you, you know you're there, but he wasn't even signed at that time. He was dead broke and going through a whole bunch of personal issues. So shout out to Eddie Kingston, major pop for him. Shout out to Players Tribune. Absolutely, and we're gonna jump into that later. Um, so everybody, save your thoughts and comments and stuff because that's definitely something I do want to get into. And we obviously have some stuff to talk about with Mox. Um, Ty, what's got you popping this week? The return of the fourth iteration of the IWGP yeah. heavyweight title that Kazuchika Okada is carrying around instead of the briefcase because he was the winner of the G1 Classic. Yeah, going into Wrestle Kingdom to face off Shingo. We're getting chaos versus chaos, people. This is awesome. I'm just so happy. I'm just As that, that belt. Bringing the indie love, which I Look, know you and Doug can nerd out on over later. An international, international flair from time. Yeah, that that belt is just gorgeous. It's the is it is the I think it's the best looking belt. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Other than like the the winged ink the winged eagle belt, I think, or maybe <coughs> even the big belt or the ten pounds of gold, maybe. Mm-hmm. Oh, the IWGP heavyweight title belt. is just oh. I will give them that. All right, Doug, what is doing it for you this week? What are you popping for? Um, I'll stay in New Japan. That Shingo and Zack Sabre Jr. match. Oh, my God. That was that was amazing. I love the run that Zack Sabre Jr. has been on this year. Uh, you know, their depth has caused them to push him up, in, you know, in stature. 
give him main events where he was wouldn't have had main events before, and he killed it with that that title match. It was yeah. it was phenomenal. Yeah. Ooh, can I add one? Can I add one? Yes, you just, can. Just, just absolutely. Just one more. And it's going back. And it's going back to Japan. Our boy Kenta as the new oh. U.S. heavyweight champion. Yes. I don't want to jump too far into it, but do you think that means Kenta's going to be coming over yonder to to do? Kenta a lives in he lives in Florida. In Florida. So yeah, yeah. So why don't we see him more in America? Because he's got to travel back and forth and back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was surprised I didn't see him more during the um, pandemic because I did think he was here. And I was like, if you're stuck here, just wrestle here. Well, he was on. um, Well, I think he was stuck in Japan for parts of the pandemic, but he's also been on New New Japan Strong a lot, uh, a lot. Yeah. Over the years. I don't know how I don't know how much because I don't watch every single week, but he's been there a lot. Yeah, that's where I became familiar with him. Right. Like because I'm I'm a little bit more a continental wrestler. Kind of gal, but I'm trying to broaden my scopes, and AEW's really helped with that, um, especially in the women's division. Like they've introduced oh, yeah. some women that I just absolutely love. Um, for me, I know. Okay, so I need everybody to get on to BTE and be watching it because yes. that I'm popping for this week is the relationship between Alex Reynolds, John Silver, and Adam Cole. It's His name's amazing. on Adam Cole. It's amazing. Butch. It's absolutely Butch. amazing. They said, okay, so you remember when he was coming from WWE, like, it came out that they wanted him to, like, cut his hair and be a manager for somebody else and, like, Uh change his name and stuff. So Silver and Reynolds just, like, mess with him every week. And they're like, your wrestling's dog shit. Like, here's how we're going (laughs) to help you to get over. You're not over with the fans. Even though he's, like, arguably probably one of the most over (laughs) wrestlers we have at AEW right now, right? Um, So the fun fact was mess with him. No, the fun fact was they wanted him to be the valet for Keith Lee, who's now, we're going to get into that, but is mm-hmm. no longer with the company. So where would that have left Adam Cole? Okay, so let's just jump in. Let's just dive in, because I feel like everybody's pop of the week, like, led us into a good place to start a conversation. So let's start with the new releases. This is not, I'm sorry, guys, I'm screwing up the run of show, because this is later, but I want to jump into it now, because you said No, it's, it's, it's really big. Show. Um, So uh, this week, again, huge list of releases. And overall, I've done the math now. 71 total releases for WWE in 2021. I'm going to go down just a few of the big names. So Big Show, Andrade, Mickey James, Bo Dallas, Braun Strowman, Buddy Murphy, Aleister Black, Ruby Riot, both members of Breeze Dango, which is just a tragedy, if you ask me, in, in my opinion. Tony Nese, uh, 2.0. Uh, well, they're 2.0 now. Matt Mardell, Chase, Chase Parker, Bray Wyatt, uh, Bobby Fish, Leon Ruff, Ember Moon. Most recently, we had Ember Moon, Nia Jax, uh, Keith Lee, Eva Marie. Um, what's going on in Stanford? Ah. Uh. They're getting ready for a sale. That's all. That's that all has to be. I mean, they posted over 250 million in revenue, 45 million in profit. And then they not only cut what was it, 18 wrestlers, but they also cut significantly in the office staff. They started merging divisions. I think marketing and branding are now the same division. So people who had been there for like 15 years were just out of the job with a very short email on Thursday. Um, it's shocking. These 18 cuts though, um, something that really does need to be talked about though, is it's not going to be publicly stated, but it's been documented that at least half, if not more, were because of vaccination. Right. Which is, um, Nia Jax in particular. Uh, yeah. I think Killer Cross, uh, not uh, Karen Cross, um, Scarlett, Harry Smith and Nia Jax are the only ones who are confirmed to not be vaccinated. So there's speculation who of the rest of the 18 were not. Um, but they also were never given any warning, right. which have, is very weird. I have so many thoughts and and so many. Uh, and it's not even about the the kind of moral battle of vaccinations, per se. I have so many thoughts about this information being made public through sources. And I'm wondering, so again, we had how many releases in 2021, Megan? You already said the number. 71. So 71. We've had, like you said, Doug, we've had personnel cutbacks. Every time they've towed the company line, even with 
big major releases. They've towed the company line of budget cuts. Budget cuts. We may not know what to do with this person. This person asked for their release. This is the first time that we're aware that it's even leaked out that vaccination status was a consideration factor. And I'm trying to wonder, now the conspiracy theory part of me is trying to figure out is, did that leak take place to try to like cover up the fact that they really are doing something, getting ready for a sale, not knowing what they're doing, creative. They're like, oh, I, I'm, I, I don't disagree. I don't challenge the fact that there are wrestlers that are unvaccinated. I challenge the fact that this, of all the leaks, all the timing, this information is the first time they're like, well, you know, at least four of them were unvaccinated. And I'm just well, trying to say, are they trying to hide the ball somewhere? I, I, will, I will say this real quick. It can be both. But I, I will say that now more than any time in the past year and a half, they're ramping up touring. I mean, you've seen, you've saw what's absolutely. going on with the Kyrie in, uh, incident. Sure, absolutely. but also they want to travel internationally. They can't take these talents. No. So if they're going to spend money on talent, they want to be able to use it's, talent. It's a big deal. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. They can't. You know, how many shows does, especially WWE, do in New York City? They do big mm-hmm. shows in New York City. They the, the laws in New York City don't even let you walk into those arenas without a mask, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's it's it, an, an unvaccinated personnel. If arenas can sit like Madison Square Garden, you can't play. Like you know what I mean? You can't even walk into the building. So that I think the international stuff. I think you're exactly right. I just found it so odd though that this was the one that was like, oh yeah, well you know. You know, Karrion Cross and and Nia Jax and these these folks are unvaccinated, and that might be led to there without any warning, without like you you don't think if it's Roman Reigns they say, hey Roman, look this is coming down the pipe, get vaccinated. I don't, I, I don't they don't release Roman Reigns if he refuses to be unvaccinated. I think these people are low on the pecking order, which right. is why they got cut. Right, you, like you can't you can't tell me you know if Becky Lynch says no, I'm not getting vaccinated, which I'm not saying that she did say that. No, no, no. And yeah, let's yeah. say. Let's say that she said that. There's no way they're cutting her. There's no way. I, I think it's I think it's just a weird. I don't know, Ty. Do you have any weird conspiracies on the actual information? Well, I want to talk about the cuts too, but the actual information of this coming out as the first time in seventy something cuts. Well, uh, well, I think uh, I think Megan has something to say beforehand. I'll, let me go ahead and let her say something. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll go ahead. I just was jumping in to say um, one of the things that Doug mentioned that I think is worth noting is like long term personnel um, that is behind the scenes that has been making things happen at WWE for a really long time um, have been getting let go. Um, One of the ones that hit me the hardest and when I realized who she was was um, in Sammy's vlog. He always goes to uh, Miss Sandra who does the uh, costuming for them and she was with WWE forever if you watched any episodes of diva you saw miss sandra they all went in and Mm -hmm. got their gear um so to see her at aew and for them not to even really say goodbye to her or let her let you know have anything from wwe because she's dressed i mean she is sequence sewing everything we see out there that makes us happy (laughs) and what they're wearing cool gear um so I think a lot of it's it's interesting to me to see how much of the what you would think would be like really needed personnel is getting let go and then also where they're landing. I think that's going to be really interesting, too. And going back to what you were saying, Jesus, uh, the whole vaccination of vaccinated part, I think and I'm going to put out there. I think everyone should get vaccinated. It just it just helps. If you're going to be around all these people, if you're going to be in these arenas, you need to protect everyone there. That's just that's just me. But it's the it's these sources that are saying that uh, that's the reason why they were let go. I don't think WWE cared. I really don't think they cared. How many times have you actually seen? What's the last time you saw Nijax on on TV? Even though she was having a mental health break, she had the yeah. dust up with Charlotte. The Charlotte Nijax was trending for a week because of the Charlotte. Stiff match, right? Yeah, but she got praised backstage for doing that too. Like, yeah, they, everybody like, hates Charlotte. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody everybody hates Charlotte. Yeah. Charlotte's the worst. Yeah. But Karrion Cross was coming out the silence because uh, he had a gimp suit on. It was stupid. 
uh, <laughs> Keith Lee, Bearcat, they had a little meow in the beginning of his stuff now. Even though people love Keith Lee, they weren't using Mia Yim, so they're going to get rid of her. They have no, they're not going to push Keith Lee. They've no. had too many people. They've had way too many people. Uh, some yeah, the, releases, and you still have a full roster, uh, a pretty full, full roster. Because I saw and something about one of a, the upcoming, like, you know, I think it was either like Survivor Series or something on somebody on somebody. And they were like, it's only going to be 23 people this year because the list is cut short. Well, they, they don't need two brands. I think it's proven that it's a mistake. It lasts for like a year being good. And then after that, it's just, it just goes to crap real quick. Same thing happened in 2002. Um, Keith Lee, though, yeah, I mean, Ty's right. They're not going to do anything with Keith Lee. They proved that they weren't going to do anything with Keith Lee. And it's a damn shame. I, I've talked about this with some friends, too. You know, you watch AEW. Hangman Page is not the, the best on the mic. He's not the best in the ring. But he connects with the audience in a way that nobody else does. Keith Lee's the exact same way. And it's, it's not that they're slouches. He can talk and he can go in the ring. There are people better, but he connects on a different level than everybody else. Because mm-hmm. like, And he had several moments in WWE doing that. Survivor Series, Royal Rumble, countless times in NXT. Even his debut in WWE, he did phenomenally well. But they just, they, they didn't see it in him. They, they changed his gear. They gave him... Uh, a very, I, I would say now that he has come out publicly and said that it was not his idea, I would say giving him Bearcat is downright disrespectful since it was not his idea. You mm-hmm. can't just give somebody a legacy mm-hmm. minority nickname and expect it to be okay. But I mean, he should have been the next guy. He could have been a main eventer, especially think about this. The man fought back his life from COVID. Well, that was How- the thing. That was the thing. I think, I think he was in, which is also... 100% to your point, Doug, but I also think he was in the main of this picture. He was getting there, and then again, the, the man is massive, and we all know what, what you know, based off of what science says, what COVID does. Look at, like, you know, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen on football yeah. teams. That Like, COVID really ravaged Keith Lee, and it made it delayed his comeback, and when they came back, they couldn't put him where he was. I think he had actually gotten to a point where he was talking, you know, triple threat main event picture or not in a main event triple threat match. You know what I mean? They actually had almost figured it out. And then he goes down and Mia goes down and, you know, there, there's all this kind of questions about who gave it to who and all that stuff. But, but the bottom line was he didn't recover well to the point where, you know, he was able to perform for a very long time. And then um, when, his, I think timing's so important, but it's just a tragedy that he was where he was. He and they can't figure out how to get him back, even as a way to be an effective mid carder. It's, I mean, I'm watching Raw and SmackDown and and these shows. The mid card's horrible, and yeah. you can't. You telling me you can't use Keith Lee? Who also the other thing about Keith Lee that's extremely frustrating, and it goes back a little bit to what we were talking about with Eddie Kingston. He's Keith Lee is is pretty much on his last run. Um, he might have one good push in him left, but Keith Lee is what upper thirties at that size and agility, and he signed to WWE after numerous numerous tryouts and 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 late in the game. And I think it's I think it's just awful um, that that he was not able to find a permanent place for a really good push that. Uh, there's a very thin line between where Keith Lee is in WWE Hall of Fame because he's that he has that type of charisma. Oh, I, I believe say, so too. I would say that because Keith Lee is what he's he just turned 37. Uh, he's 37, 38, but yeah. he, he also just signed it like his signing to WWE wasn't like in regards to even the NXT run, he was what 35, 34, like it wasn't yeah. that long. Mm-mm. He'd been toiling in the Indies for a very long time. Very long, very. Well, you know, I always love an opportunity to sneak in a little information on the evil that is WWE. Um, so something I saw uh, after his release that um, was a little upsetting was that he had to cover all of his own because you oh. know they, they are contractors. They are not employees. He had to cover all of his own COVID expenses. Oh, did he? So, I didn't know that. Yeah, they, have, the they don't things- have health insurance. 
They do nope. not have health. They, they are wow. contracted employees. They are. Wow. Not. I had no clue. Or they're contractors. They're not employees. So, yeah, they don't have insurance. And um, he one of the things he said was he was like he was glad he lasted as long as he did because he could pay all his bills. And like he was like, cool, cool. Um, which was really disappointing and sad to hear that when they're putting him in such a high risk environment um, and then he contracted it and then obviously had a whole bunch of issues from it um, to have them force him to cover that by himself and then let him go, I think is pretty shitty. But I mean, that's like on brand for Vince. Were, so. were, you, were you shocked by that? Not the the sad part of it, but I, I was pretty shocked by that because for years they've covered medical expenses due to oh, injuries same. in the ring yeah. for, for years. And they don't have to, they do not have to, um, you know, morally and ethically they should, but legally they, they do not yeah. have to legally. They do not have to, but unless you want to go to another doctor, I know when Danielson was getting all of his second, third, fourth opinions, he paid for that because that was different. That you know, if you break your, yeah, yeah. if you break your neck, they'll pay for the surgery. If you break your leg, they pay for the surgery and they pay for your rehab. Co- I, I don't understand why COVID would be different when he caught COVID from there. Yeah, there's a question there's a, there's, if he did it, if he if he if he made the choice to do it himself or that's good. Yeah, that's there's there's a couple of things that, that go into that. One, I think there was a obviously it's still a big mystery of unknown, right? At this point, I think all of us realize it's not as much a pandemic as an endemic. So it's like a lot of folks, especially around this time, kind of took the attitude, it's just a matter of time. Hope I, I hope I survive. You know what I mean? I hope I don't yeah, I do as bad as others. Um, and I think even like, I'm just looking at professional sports in general. A lot of them were looking at the situation like, we don't know where this is. So if we've got a roster full of athletes and we cover it for Keith Lee, do we need to cover it for everybody? Where do we draw the line? I'm not saying these are good excuses. However, it's and it's also if Keith Lee was unvaccinated, chose to be unvaccinated. There's, I can see in I'm not knowing the contracting status, Megan, beforehand, but now that you're explaining to me that part of it, I can easily see any promotion that uses that type of kind of labor contracting to say, we don't know where this ends. We don't know how to take it on. We don't know. Like, there's so many unknowns to say, you know. They, they would they would cover COVID expenses. Um, it's just it's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. Can can I ask one thing and change the subject just a little bit? Absolutely. Only because I do like Keith Lee's huge. Can Cross is huge, but there are so many people on this recent wave of releases that I want to hear what everybody thinks, including yourself. Um, was like what was the outside of those like. What's the one where the WWE really, really screwed it up? And I'm sure there's a bunch. Oh. Uh, however, and Megan, I think you'll appreciate, because I have to go to the ladies here. Why pull up Hit Row? B-Fab is such... B-Fab is horrible in the ring. We've talked about this. She is not a talented in-ring worker, but she is such a vital part of Hit Row. And she's great on the mic, and she's great with that stable. And the fact that you pull Hit Row up to SmackDown, you introduce them with her, you draft them with her, you introduce them with her, and then you let her go. It's why screw up Hit Row? I love Hit Row. Hit Row has the potential to be something different in the WWE that we've never seen before with minorities in the sense that it's like, it's not the Street Profits, it's not Crime Time. I, I just love what Hit Row could bring. And you cut one of their most important pieces out. Like, I don't care if she ever worked the match. She was that good on the mic. And that good for that statement. So I'm very BFAB. I thought I'd be more upset about Ember Moon. I'm more upset about BFAB. I'm actually very upset about Ember Moon. Um, I, Me too, she but. Very, she was a very tale. She came in. Um, she was coming in out of like NXT at the very end of my like WWE watching days, and like I just thought they had just something magic with her. Like she, her, her, her outside of the ring presence and what she was able to bring. Um, her in the ring presence and like her not only her move set and her skill set, but like how she can really sell a story and like you feel, I mean, there's certain wrestlers that, you know, like get the job done and Ember Moon gets the job done. So I was really 
surprised to see her let go, but I'm not going to say I'm sad because Tony Gon said he's interested in quite a few names on that most recent list. Uh, she's going. Ember she's too good. Up. She's too good. I think th- I think she was hurt a little bit. The type of injury she had, I think, affected her conditioning and effect and prolonged her comeback. Like, the, I, th- I think some of the lower body industry and lower body injuries that she had um, prolonged her being able to come back and for her to feel comfortable. She didn't even want to do the, the eclipse is like one of the best finishing moves I've ever seen performed by a, 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 a woman professional wrestler. And when she came back, even this last time in NXT, she didn't really want to do the eclipse very much because she was, a, you know, she wasn't trusting herself for a while. So. And I'm hey, actually Doug, gonna... who are you most uh, upset to see or who do you think they used? The- I'll go ahead. I'll go and like Ty go. Ty, you sounded like you had something to say. Well, I just, one thing about Ember Moon, Moon, Athena, whatever you want to call her, I liked Ember Moon, but was she as over as y'all making her out to be? Or was her move, her finish of the eclipse over? She's a good hand in the ring, yes. They never literally talk. She's not that great on the mic. She doesn't, she never had it. Her move she was over it. crazy. This last NXT comeback when they everybody's teased over. it, Every, everybody's over NXT. That is true. <laughs> but when they teased it with not, the motorcycle, not MSK. Yeah. Well, no, MSK, MSK is a, is a they're hidden I heels. Don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, when she took off, was it the motorcycle helmet or her like for her, that that last comeback to NXT? They popped crazy for her. Yeah, but she, <sighs> I don't think she has it. I never thought she had it, even when she was in the Indies. I I think that's. There, I mean, I watched her in Shimmer. I thought she was good. Um, I think I saw her in Shine too, and she was pretty good there too. Shine and Shimmer kind of bleed together at some point. Um, you know, I thought she was special in NXT when she became champion. They were still doing those rabid packed houses for Takeover before Takeover got like a, a little bit too bloated and too big for its britches. And she was a big part of those shows. I think the problem is, is that you know we're arguing about does somebody have it when they were never even given a chance to show it on the main roster. That, and that, that's the biggest problem. They, they missed the boat on her. I think this round of releases really kind of shows, I mean, I, I don't know if we want to make this a new talking point or we don't want to talk about the releases, but like, I, I'm very worried about Triple H's standing within the company now. You know, pretty much everybody that he has put stock into over the past four, you know, four or five years, has been marginalized or released. Karrion Cross is the last one. And Karrion Cross was not even somebody that Triple H was you know, used to putting over. I think he got him with the mindset of, oh, this is going to be a project that Vince will like. I can get him behind the entrance. I can get him behind the gimmick. But even that wasn't enough. Literally, NXT has been scrubbed. And then all remnants of NXT have also been scrubbed. It, it surprises me that Finn Balor still has a job. Not me, because Finn Balor. Finn Balor is very. He's, he's so over. He's, 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 he's so well. He's he's amazing. He's he yeah. is amazing. But he's also I mean, he's so over with the crowd. No, he is. And they can sell a lot of toys with that with his uh with his demon gimmick. Demon. He was always one of my favorites. I would always like to do the raw thing when he throws his hands up. It made me happy. I would love. I was, to see him come I was very he mad when he. I was very mad when he came back and he was doing the same smiley hands in the air thing instead of the the real shooter thing he was doing back in NXT when he brought that back. I oh, miss- that was good. That was oh. Bullet Club level. That was good. Yeah. I miss the real rock and roller. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, gentlemen, we've spent a lot of time on WWE today, and you know, I don't love it. So let's talk about some AEW. <laughs> okay, so we've got Full Gear coming up, but I think that um, you guys all know I am a huge I'm a I'm a huge Mox Mark, and um, I don't think we can even start talking about Full Gear until we um, first off, of course, like give him and Renee and the baby like all of our love and um, just good energy while they're going through this. Um, he has checked himself into an inpatient alcohol rehab program um, and is is being pretty open about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the promo that Punk uh, cut that's actually leading to the Eddie Kingston stuff, um, but I think the... Uh, level of with which he's allowing AEW to talk about it and really be open about it um, is super helpful for anybody that's dealing with addiction or substance abuse issues. 
So guys, uh, what's your, what's your hot take on, uh, Mox going to rehab addiction in general. Um, this made me really go back and revisit some of the guys because this, this shocked me. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, when they came out with this, you normally see it, right? Like you see a guy starting to kind of, his moves get a little sloppy. His promos aren't as clean. I thought of Jeff Hardy versus Sting, obviously. And he's going to start talking about addiction or, or doing the work, um, which is a horrible match to sit through and even try to watch. Um, but I, I was a little surprised. Mox seemed to be okay. Um, so did, did anybody else see this coming? Were you guys shocked? Thoughts, opinions, feelings? Go. Uh. Other than the the Jeff Hardy and a couple of others, most of the time you don't see it coming. There's been a lot of people who had Eddie Guerrero. I didn't know he had drug problems when he was wrestling, uh, and then when he after he got clean, uh, Dynamite Kid. I didn't know had drug problems. I mean, when I heard the outside stories from looking back on it, I knew it, it's something that sneaks up on you and you just don't. And until you're at that point where Mox is at, I guess he hit rock bottom at some point. I don't know. I don't I don't want to know what that rock bottom was for him, but he saw that he needed to get help. So I am very happy that he did. Uh, And I know that the wrestling, the wrestling world does not want any more Jeff Hardy incidents, any more Dynamite Kid, any more, especially not any more Benoit. And yeah, so getting him getting help is is was a big was a big step and I'm very proud of him for that. Uh, I've dealt with addiction in my family for years. So it's it's a horrible thing to see and to be a part of. Extremely proud of uh Mox for for realizing that um he needed to get help and and the way that he's going about getting help obviously just wish him and his family the best. Um you know I'm a parent um Cam seven now and so I do think the timing was poignant. So I don't know you know, you never know what people are have going through. Um, but I also thought that it was poignant the timing of having a newborn at the house. It's their, their first child together. So um, I think it was maybe it wasn't necessarily a rock bottom situation as much as it was a, a realization that I've got a lot more to, to live for. And I need to prolong uh, my health and, and, and my sanity and my career uh, because new, new children will do that. To, to families and, and people they'll, they'll, they'll bring in some different perspectives. Um, really pleased about the way that AEW has um, been able to, to get in front of kind of this story, but also whether it's tongue in cheek, whether they mean it or not, they are saying, Hey, if you need help, get help. Tony Khan's tweeting out numbers for people that, you know, if you're ever feeling anything, I think pieces like you said, like the punk promo, pieces like the Kingston piece that really goes into his anxiety, depression, alcohol abuse as well. And, and, and talks about like, so I, I'm a little bit on the opposite side of Ty. And I think this is just like the natural cynic in me. I try to be as optimistic as possible, but I often am never or not surprised when you have athletes, whether it's professional wrestlers or football players or like they're putting their bodies through physical damage just about on a nightly basis. And then they're in these boys clubs uh, for lack of a better term, where after the baseball game, they all go get beers. You know what I mean? After the wrestling event, they're all at the bar. They're always together. They're traveling. So I, I, I tend not to be as surprised when I hear someone has taken it too far or they've, they, you know, they've got addicted to painkillers or they're, they're, they're medicating themselves with alcohol. No excuse. I know that we want to be as healthy and wellness as possible, but I see it in my, in my professional life as adults for folks that aren't traveling and aren't taking bumps and aren't playing professional, you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey matches. They're just accountants and they feel like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? They're like not doing that. So I always tend to not be surprised when I hear that somebody that's traveled 330 days out of the year taking bumps and, and probably five out of six, seven nights out of the week after those wrestling matches are either meeting their buddies, their wrestling buddies for a drink, or if they're in a town where they had a friend that they hadn't seen in a year and a half, 
Like, oh, tonight I'm in Oregon. I'm going to meet up with my college buddy. Like, that stuff, I'm just never surprised. But, but kudos to Mox. With wrestling, like, there is the extra piece where, like, um, I saw Brian Pillman Jr. like did a like I wish you well kind of tweet and he was like you know a few weeks ago I had the best match in my life where Mox came out after and like you know defended him I think they where where's he from Cleveland Cincinnati Cincinnati yeah. yeah yeah so like Mox came out and he was like yeah, we shared a beer and he was like for me this was like the height of my career we shared a beer in the middle of the ring um, but little did we know you know Mox was really struggling with alcohol addiction issues at the time and you know they're throwing in beers out of the crowd. So I do think that culture is going to have to change some. Doug, how do you see that impacting stuff? Because you got people like Hangman, who his whole shtick is like, hand me a beer. Um, do you think that'll change moving forward, or do you think we're still going to see that? I don't know. I feel like they've lessened that over over the past year anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Plus, I think his whole thing is rooted in anxiety. I don't know. There's a lot of facets to it. I, I really appreciated the way Punk talked about it because he equated, you know, not just the alcoholism piece, but also just, you know, feeling stuck, feeling locked in, feeling trapped and being able to get out. Moxley had done all these interviews for his books. Mm-hmm. And it was really, really shocking to hear him at the time talk about how stressful the past month has been, but he's laughing it off, but he's listing all these things. And it's like, Oh man, that would drive me crazy. Little do we know that, you know, it did drive him crazy. He just happened to have an outlet for that. That was not, you know, positive at all. Um, Super kudos for him for getting help too, before they did the move. And before the pay-per-view, I like that. That's what, you know, even five years ago, I don't think this would have ever happened where, you know, a week and a half before a major show, you know, a couple of days before you're moving towns, you would have done that. And I think it, it's a big testament. And, you know, I would hope that, and I, I, I kind of feel like it has to be that he did it to also bring awareness to it, mm-hmm. you know, because I mean, they, they, he's been super open about it and he was super open when he had, well, he didn't have COVID, but when um, Renee had COVID. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I just, eh, it's a very sober situation, but it's very, very enlightening to see how the wrestling community is handling it from behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. Can I just say too, books, books seem to do that to a lot of folks. Mm -hmm. Like when they're doing a book that they're able to kind of dig deeper into the, to, to what made them who they are. I'm a big hip hop, hip hop head and action Bronson just wrote a book and action Bronson in that book, he, he will say, in the process of writing that book and exploring all the things that made him Max Bronson changed his whole life, made him change his diet, made him change his eating habits. And he's always been a big guy, but he's, you know, he's lost a lot of weight and tried to work out and live. And I've just heard so many folks say when they're working on a book about like how they became who they are, it actually made them realize things and see things that they may have never seen before. So. Yeah, that was a podcast. I I think it was Oral Sessions um, that he did recently uh, where he was talking about the process of writing and how, I mean, and anybody that does, you know, any type of write, like I do poetry um, and anytime you have to like put yourself back in that place, like it's not just like, oh, let me remember what happened. Like in order to get a good piece of the story out, like you emotionally have to go there. And um, I haven't read it yet. I, I have it. It's sitting on my desk, but I, I'm saving it to be my first book that I read after I graduate. <laughs> so it's not my first non-academic book in years. Um, but I'm really looking forward to, and I appreciate not only his vulnerability in his recovery, but also like how vulnerable he was willing to get with this book. <laughs> even if it did, you know, take him to this dark place, because obviously he's strong enough to crawl back out of it. Um, so speaking of that, like, and, and this openness and that we're, we're seeing that's really new in wrestling, I would say, um, in my opinion, at the very least, but I think, I think it's pretty broad across the board. We can all say this is a new era. Um, let's talk about Eddie's piece. Um, has everybody had a chance to read it? Yep. I've read half of it. Yeah, I read it. No, I read it all the way through. It was pretty long. It was pretty long. Couldn't put it down. Me neither. Like once I started, there was like tweets and stuff coming in and I was like, I'm going to go back to those. Um, You were talking about it, Cheats. Like when he came on against Cody, like his house was 
he was done. He was he was he was moving back, back in. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think I think it just goes to show you how like you hear these stories about people that are down to their last quarter and they you know something happens and it starts to turn them around like 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 a workshopped Happy Corbin bit right, but the 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 detail and the depths in which he explained all of the things that were happening to him and literally it was in the middle of the pandemic and he was like well i got a call to do this show in jersey where it was like a drive-up show yeah and he just kind of let loose in that promo which i had not seen until the mm-hmm. players retreat, players from being peace that three-minute rant after his match of, of calling out all the kind of big dogs um and what ultimately got to AEW, even in that piece, Eddie Kingston looks like a completely different person. He he looks like his conditioning is different. He's got the beard. He just looks like, you know, it, it doesn't look good. And the fact that he was just, you know, 20 plus, 25 years plus, late in age. I think he was 37, 38. You know what I mean? And AEW sees something from fans a viral video from fans. And then just the way that he says AEW treated him, the way that Cody treated him, Tony Khan treated him, Brody Lee treated him. Um, it really, AEW's given this man a new lease on life. Like, and a lease on life that he will probably put him in a position that he never thought he was going to be in, um, you know, for the rest of his life. And it is just a really, really powerful piece about, um, you know, his life and, and what he went through and dedication and, and some really dark moments and he still has them. Um, but I, I can't help to think that that type of story probably doesn't happen in WWE. Um, no. and, and, and the way that AEW kind of has made this guy a legit pay-per-view attraction. Like I'm looking forward to seeing Kingston work home. Like, I'm looking forward to that match at Full Gear. It's one of the ones I'm looking forward to. And it's just an amazing, an amazing journey. Uh, kudos to him. And his life will never, I mean, I hope his life will never go back. On it's, it's just awesome. Doug, I definitely want to get your take on this, but just, I got to go, I got to circle back to the Brody story. I, I teared up quite a bit where it was like, you know, Brody pushed him and he was like, where's the guy I know? And then Eddie pushed him back and Brody was like, yeah, there he is. Like, it was just another good Brody story of like really lifting people up. Um, Got me a little emotional. All right, Doug, what's your take? You read the whole thing. Um, Well, one, I was, I was shocked by the length. Most of these player tribune articles are like a two minute read. They're they're that they're good, but they're not that meaty and that long and that emotional. I mean, most there's, there's been some that elevate. This is definitely one of them Uh, of all the player tribune articles I've read. This has to be one of the best. Um, I have a really interesting opinion of Kingston just because I've, I've been watching independent wrestling since 2002. So I've seen Eddie Kingston off and on through 20 years. And I was never that big of an Eddie Kingston fan for whatever reason. I saw him in CCW. He could have a couple good matches, but he didn't stand out to me. I saw him in Jakara. You know, he seemed just okay. I even saw him live in Jakara when they came to Richmond. And it, it was okay. I even went back and read my review of it when he debuted in AEW. But, you know, once he came to AEW, I think he had the biggest chip of all chips on his shoulders kind of like a Jimmy Butler going to to Philadelphia or Miami. Yeah. And he just, he, he started performing at another level. His promos, which were always good, started tapping in to more of the emotion of the matches. You know, his promos used to feel disconnected from his, you know, what would follow in the ring. But that's also the nature of indie wrestling. You, you, everything changes on the fly. There's not a lot of direction. You know, it almost seems to me that, you know, if WWE had given him a chance years ago, we could have seen this years ago. Um, he he has definitely turned into one of the most compelling people on television, one of the most engaging people on television. And I, I think Cheats nailed it. I don't think he I don't think he's going to be breaking pay-per-view records, but he is a pay-per-view attraction. He headlined two pay-per-views last year that each did amazing business. And I think that's a huge testament to somebody who had to sell his gear just to make his mortgage. Yeah. That's what I was gonna that's what I was gonna tap on, like. 
before AEW, I think he was homeless. Well, they, he had his house, but he yeah. was, I mean, it was COVID and I mean, they weren't performing. So he yeah. was down to his last, he said he had sold his boots um, to try to make payments. And then he was down to like his last, he knew he was about to go into foreclosure. And so he called his mom and said he was going to move back. Dog. Yeah. He's been through the ringer. He's been through the ringer his entire career. Um, and like you were saying, Doug, his his promos, it goes to some type of real place. I saw him do a promo on BTE, I think about a pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Was, it, was it about a pumpkin or was it about Christmas, something like that? Yeah, yeah and it, it was, was something around the on Sour Patch Kids one day, and it was just amazing. Yeah, and he just went in we and went to it. the most realest place. Like, we don't have Christmas around where I'm, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, every, everything he says is so real, and because everything that, he says, I guess, Israel from, from reading that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his going back and forth with uh, CM Punk, putting that realness, realness into it. I, when I saw that, it was the, and y'all going y'all gonna to give me gruff about this. This was the first actual feud that CM Punk has had. That I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch this. Mm. I, 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 I'm into this. The Mox feud was, the Mox feud was great too. Because it was so personal. It was, and it was, I mean, it was work, but it was still like, you left us, you left us in the Indies, Mm -hmm. you went to this thing, and they had these pictures of them like hanging out together. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh man, that's like, it made me believe it. Like, it made me believe that Eddie Kingston was really like, meanwhile, like you were saying in the back, Mox and and, and Kingston are just like, this is great. Oh, the other thing was cool, I will say that I'll move on is the, the fact that he wrote in there, it's like, Mox and Brody Lee aren't the type of guys that are like, oh, well done. You really, you know, you really did great. They'll just be like, oh, yeah, he belongs here. Like, yep. Like, that was it. Like, that's like kind of like the head nod. I thought that was so cool. I thought it was very telling. Um, well, let's, I mean, we're already there. So let's go ahead. We are going to round out our chat tonight by talking about the card at Full Gear. Wah, 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 wah. Let's start with Eddie and Punk. Who you got? Where who you think? What's gonna happen? I know everybody's like, "Oh, Punk's gonna win." Yeah, I we think know he's gonna happen. put Eddie over. Nah, I, Mark I, don't, it. I don't think so. I you don't think uh, he's gonna win? You think he's gonna put Eddie over? Yeah, he could. Well, here, here's all I'll say. The other thing about Mox that we didn't touch touch upon, you know, it was very clear that if if not turn Mox heel, they were gonna do something different with Mox. I think oh, Kingston yeah. was gonna go with him too. Mm-hmm. The whole Danielson thing was in the middle of that, and I think that. You know, I think that they were building them up to be, you know, to do a heel turn, which would have been really interesting considering how beloved Kingston is. Obviously, now the Mox thing has made them do a complete 180, which is great. I think WWE still would have gone down the same route and been completely tone deaf. Um, You know, if you had asked me a week ago, you know, no question Punk wins, no question. But now it's very interesting. It's very interesting. You could almost do a draw too. Like I, I, I well, I mean, in a match like that with where it's a per- personal feud, a draw is kind of let down. But I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there, and I think it's one of those matches where you might you might be a little mad at who wins, but both of them have a very strong case and a very strong reason to win, and those are the best type of matches. I absolutely agree. And um, after their last uh, promo that they did together where they were going at each other in the ring, um, I I think I think Punk might put him over. Like, I feel like Punk always is very coded in his like how like I feel like he's talking to the guy and he's talking to all of us. But he was talking to Eddie, too. And like when he got to the part where he was saying, like, you know, shame on me for expecting more out of you. I felt like he was saying what he wanted to say, but in the opposite way. So he could say it in the promo. Like mm-hmm. I think punk might put him over. Like, especially if what he says is true. Like punk's usually a pretty straight shooter. Like if he did see Eddie come up in WWE and not earn his keep and not do what he was supposed to do. And then now like what better redemption arc than, yeah. than <laughs> going up on 40 over. and you, yeah, I think, I think, punk, I think punk, I think punk keeps the streak going. He's not, mm-hmm. yeah, he ain't getting put over. If 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 anything is going to end in disqualification, no, even though I think, AEW I think Punk wins. doesn't do disqualifications all like that, the the only thing that that really stops me from saying Kingston all the way is that it's very clear 
that the direction probably for revolution in February, March is MJF and punk. MJF has been dropping breadcrumbs and all of his interviews yep. about it. And, you know, it's just, it's just the made storyline. MJF uses that on better than you, you know, tagline that's seen punk's thing since like 2000. Um, so that's the only thing that would make me say, well, yeah, punk probably does go over, but I just, Eddie has so much momentum behind him. This player's tribune article feels like a game changer. You know, I, I will say if punk goes over, they have to do a really good post-match angle to really sell where Eddie is in the pecking order. I know they were saying like world rumors on the street is that, uh, Eddie and John were going to turn, right? So we know they're not going to turn John. When he comes back, no, there's no, no he'll be over it. So, yeah. That's not going to happen. Nope. Not for a couple of months at least. Um, so is Eddie's angle completely changed now too, you know? Um, and then also there's the question of like how long do they let Punk go before Punk goes heel? Because you know Punk is the best heel. So they're not going to let him do his last run without at least having a little bit of no. a run in there. Um and what I've always said, and I'm going to stick by, these are like my predictions for one day if these come true, I'm going to come back to this video. Um, I think Punk's turn is going to be like, you know, the people turning on Punk. I think only Punk can turn on Punk, right? Like, so it's going to be like, you. Guys, I came back after seven years and you guys don't love me anymore. Like, that's what I think his turn's going to be. Um, and I can see that with a guy like Eddie because like the crowd's going to cheer for Eddie too. It's going to be another one of those where you're really going to get a lot of the the reaction on both sides. And I don't think anybody's really going to be getting booed. No. <laughs> we'll, see. we'll see what happens. Ty, what are your thoughts? What's your predictions? Oh, Punk's going over. Punk's going over. Punk over. <laughs> Punk over is going to be, I'm, I'm calling shenanigans. Remember, remember, I called shenanigans with a DB, with a Brian Danielson match. And I got it. Yeah. It's going to be shenanigans. I could see uh, something like what they did with Kenny and Debray, where they took it all the way to the time limit. But I don't know if Punk or Eddie got enough steam in the tank to go thirty minutes. Eddie, Eddie does. CM Punk still doesn't have his re- his full wrestling legs underneath him. He's doing good, but he's not there yet. Yeah, yeah seven years is a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Cheats. What are your thoughts? No, I think Punk. Yeah, I think I think Punk wins. I think they got too many storylines with Punk in the future. Um, I just hope they don't drop the the Punk Ricky Starks thing. I want to see that. Oh yeah. But they've got too many. They've got too many punks. Punk mad. MGF's definitely a ready-made pay-per-view match. Like they're going to keep punk going for a while. All right. So let's jump to another match on the card. Uh, Britt Baker, Ty Conti. Who you got? Oh, Britt Baker. <laughs> Britt Baker. Wins. Baker. No, there's, no, there's no question. Yeah. Ba- ba- Baker wins. I like what they've done with Conti, but Conti's not. Conti can't carry that belt right now. The only the only question in the women's division is if Thunder Rose is going to be TBS champion or is she going to be the one that unseats Britt? Because I, I feel like she should be the one that unseats Britt. It's a natural story with a beginning, middle, and end. But then you got to take her out of the TBS tournament. How do you do that? There, there's a lot of possibilities. But as far as Ty Conte, in, you know, in two, three years, she's going to be phenomenal. Right now, it's Britt's time. She's the yeah. woman. I could, I could see it being a, like a seven-minute squash, too. I don't think it'll be that. AEW tends to carry their women's matches no, a yeah, they too do. long. But, they, they, but give, I, they give them the respect they, they deserve. Yeah, them. but I, I don't think Conti's there yet. And, I, and honestly, I don't think Conti's over enough yet. Like, mm-hmm. they've tried to make her over, but the crowd doesn't pop for when Ty Conti runs out. It's, I feel like Anna Jay yeah. gets more pop than, than Ty Conti does. Um, and I'm... Um, who was it? You, you brought a good, good point, Doug, about Thunder Rosa. Obviously, we all love her on this show. She's one of our favorites. Uh, but I that Jamie Hayter situation in that stable is not going to last. Jamie no. Hayter and Britt Baker are gonna they're gonna go some. They're gonna figure it out somehow. Mm-hmm. Jamie so I good. love Jamie Hayter. She is I so don't good. Know, I don't know why. I just don't she's good. That's why I'm she's glad good. that she's yeah, back. She's really good. I'm not sure what it is. Um, I'm also this isn't full gear but i do want to throw out there that i'm really looking forward to the uh ruby soho uh chris statlander match yes that's gonna be a really good one and i like the story that they're setting up that it's like we're friends but we gotta fight um okay so full gear what else do we got you know we got to talk about the big one cowboy chick adam page kenny omega who you got adam page loses what Uh. 
I, yep. I, it's a possibility. Straight up I'm with Utah. Take. I'm with Utah. I take. <laughs> nope. I'm with Utah. These guys. There, uh, there, your there's, uh, well, one, I think that things have shifted. I think the very clear thing, I think Moxley was going to beat Danielson in the tournament finals mm-hmm. to set up Moxley and Page as the next program. Now that Moxley's out of it, you know, it's Danielson Miro. I don't see Miro winning over Danielson. So do you do Danielson Page or do you do Danielson Omega? The only thing I want to say about this is for, for the big part of this year, I was under the firm belief that when Hangman finally got his title match with Kenny, that he should lose and that Kenny should lose to somebody else on the road. Hangman should beat that person. And then you build to Hangman as champion versus Kenny with the story that Hangman's never beat Kenny. But I, that was always my plan. But when he came back, in that ladder match, it, it just felt like if they don't pull the trigger now, it's a mistake. He was so over was. Moxley, even before the heel turn, even before the heel mannerisms, Moxley was getting booed going up against Hangman Page. That was just inconceivable. So it just felt to me watching that, that, you know, like this is one of those moments where if they, they whiff on it, it, it might be the end of Hang, it might not the end of Hangman Page, but they will have missed the golden opportunity. I agree with you, Doug. I think that if he does not take it home uh, this week, that taking him seriously as a contender moving forward, you've you've played it too many times. And I, I couldn't see him, at the very least, not coming against Kenny again, right? Like, you're not yeah. going to get closure on that. And I think that something that I've really enjoyed uh, with AEW is, like, they know how to long-term book. I don't know if you guys have been paying attention or not, but you're already starting to see the rift between Adam Cole and Kenny. That's a story that's going to be played out sometime over the next six months, I guarantee it. But if you look at that last match, the last tag match they all had together, they were um, avoiding tagging each other. Uh, Kenny pushed Adam over into the corner. So, I mean, like, I think they, I think AEW is really good with setting up extremely long story. Oh yeah. And I think we are going to get some some cowboy shit this weekend. All right. Well, um you guys, we are pushing up on our end time, which makes me sad because I could sit here and talk with you guys about wrestling all day, but alas, we have to go be adults and stuff, which kind of sucks, but we'll be back next week to talk about all the stuff from Full Gear. However, we always make sure that we put our friend over. So, Doug, where can people find you? Where can they follow you? What? How can they stay in touch? Um, at Music Doug on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I don't post much, but I think for Saturday, I'll probably be live tweeting full gear. Feels like that kind of show. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait. It's going to be a really exciting time. It's going to be an interesting pay-per-view, too. Because I think it's it's been promoted differently, and I think it's built on the reputation of their strong shows. Yeah, I definitely think it's going to be good. And if you do live tweet, please at us at WWF <laughs> on Twitter. We would love to see your hot takes. All right, Doug. Normally we kick the person off, but your family, so you get to stay. <laughs> um, so this is how we always end the show. Now it's uh, cheats came up with it, and it's kind of it's low key my favorite thing now. Um, who is your non wrestling heel of the week so who out there is embodying heel life in real life cheats go ahead and kick us off aaron Rodgers. <laughs> aaron Rodgers is my heel of the week easily um is the heel of the last two weeks um i do think no matter what he tells pat mcafee and what he tells everybody else on the one time of the week that he now talks he did intentionally try to mislead the public. He did not wear his mask in the media room when vaccinate, uh, like unvaccinated players would do so. He did know that the league did not um, accept his you know, uh, immunization process. Um, and then to double and triple it down, he continued to kind of justify his actions by things that would be considered questionable information or misinformation at best. So again, there's a different type of heat on Kyrie Irving or somebody that says, hey, I chose not to get vaccinated. This is where I stand. This is why. As opposed to what Aaron Rodgers did, which said he basically lied to people in the press room. Then he acted as if he was a vaccinated player. And 
he's telling us that in private closed door company, he treated himself like an unvaccinated player. Like, like, so he knew. And so there's no way around Aaron Rodgers. And then on top of all of that, he didn't play. His team loses. And so it's a, it's a hot mess all the way around. And he does it in a way that there's a very thin line between um, kind of this like arrogance, confidence, like gunslinger and just being a jerk. And I think that's the line that a lot of, you know, these particular personalities, whether are you looking at Kyrie or you're looking at Aaron Rodgers or these types of things, different situations, they kind of hold themselves personality wise to the same kind of, we're the smartest guys in the room. You're all idiots. Uh, uh, uh. And no, there's no way for you can, you can tell us it's not true, but don't, I mean, we don't have to look at what you're saying. We can look at what you do and you intentionally try to mislead the public. Aaron Rodgers, you are the heel of the week for me. All right, Ty, who you got? Who do you why indiscriminately you hate this week? Why is everyone always, look, my hatred is very valid. It may be valid on to me, but it's still valid. Uh, no, person. it's actually not a person. <gasps> Ooh, it's, is it a concept? Is it a feeling? It's not even a concept. It's people. Oh, snap. You're the Astro World audience. Oh, oh, God. All of them. All of them. They let you outside. And this is what you do. That's why we can't have nothing nice. Eight people died. Eight people died. Hundreds of people injured from tragedy. Pure tragedy. Really tragedy. Pure tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. And people sticking drugs into other people. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I was like so focused on the. There's so many stories. Holy shit. Yeah. Somebody send me a link. All we ever send is wrestling links. Send me a link on that. I want to read it because my heel of the week is Travis Scott. Of course. Like, I don't think anyone else can justifiably be a heel of the week. And I saw a video that like, I don't like to look at like the tragedy videos. Like I'm very, very uh, careful. I don't watch any of the like people getting shot videos. I'm, I, I just don't do it. I don't want to desensitize myself to um, actual death and violence. I think that's that's a thing that we do too much now. Um, but somebody tweeted this video, and I it wasn't confirmed, but I believe they are hoisting a lifeless body up out of the crowd. And they're not but 10 feet from the front. And he's singing in auto-tune like it's a scene out of Gladiator. <laughs> I have not hated – I don't like to hate people – Jesus loves everybody. I really wanted to hate Travis Scott this week, but I will pray for him, even though he is the heel of the week with the Astro world crowd. Some of them were nice though. Some of them were trying to, to get stuff stopped and to get the attention of camera people and stuff. So big up to those folks, but just prayers and blessings to everybody else that was there. Doug, who is your heel of the week? Please something less dark. Oh man. Uh, to let you last. <laughs> I feel like Travis Scott was going to be mine too. He has a history of this type of behavior when it comes to kind of disregard for show safety. Um, you know, I think Ty brings up a good point too about the people there. Cause a lot of people have just been talking about, you know, crowd crush is a real thing. Um, it's not necessarily the crowd's fault, but you did have stories of people injecting people, people, stepping on other people who were clearly in in distress and it's just it's just disheartening um there was the one story i heard of the the woman being lifted onto the the stretcher and then she fell off the stretcher and her head smacked against the pavement it's just it's so the whole situation I, i won't say it seems completely preventable but the level to that it got to was preventable absolutely if you're gonna be uh responsible for that many people you are responsible so at the end of the day, I hope they find some sort of justice and I don't know, take care of each other. That's the best we can say. All right. So we got to figure out how to end on a higher note. I know. I was like, we can't end the show so depressed all the time. Oh, I got it. I got well, it. I got it. I got, um, it. I got it. I got it. What do you have? What do you have for us, Ty? The Bulls and the Knicks are the best team in the NBA right now. Nah, the Warriors, man. The Warriors. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm a Knicks fan. I can't co-sign that. Bulls look good, though. Bulls the look Bulls good. The Bulls and the Knicks, I'm telling you, right here. 
Um, trying to give y'all um, some happiness in here. I Jeez. like the I like the one that that shoots the basketball. <laughs> and, and Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry's great. Shorts and Drops the, fifty and sneakers. They're all yeah, that guy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you know things aren't over here at WCWF until the count. Please join us next week. We're going to be talking all things full gear. Um, definitely check the Twitter. We'll be uh, tweeting throughout the show. And make sure you uh, catch our retweets of Doug's hot takes during the match. Because if he tags me, I'm retweeting them. Um, everybody else, anything else? One last thing. Anybody have to say anything? Cheats, Ty, Doug, everybody feeling good? Feeling great? Yep. Feeling great, man. All follow right, us on Twitter. We're, we're live on Twitter. Two, three. Peace out. NHD.